Welcome to Shardcast, the Brandon Sanderson podcast, where a bunch of mega fans giving you the news discussion and, of course, a whole lot of opinions about Brandon's works and Cosmere. I'm Ian, and joining me is Evgeny. Hi, I am, in fact, Brandon Sanderson. You should change your name. It's hard I, to say. <laughs> that's, uh, well, that's, that's, uh, it's uh, protection against namers and, and demons and other creatures who would if they if they get a hold of your name they they get to eat your lunch and i don't like them eating my lunch i like my own lunch and so uh but but when i am not wearing my unsecret identity i go secretly by argent on the online internets also joining me is grace hey i'm gator girl and i'm weary rider so we we are talking wobs this episode, but first I have some show and tell. Hold up, we gotta we gotta address the elephant in the room. What? Where is Eric? The people need to know. He's dead. I killed him. I'm producer ghosting. You get a voice from the grave, and then once we switch the overlay, that I'm out of here. <laughs> I can I can still sometimes hear his voice. <laughs> no, no. So first up. Oh, you got the, the thing. Uh, yeah. Uh so this these are obviously the Cosmere character pins, 13 of which were in the year of Sanderson, and then five of which were from Dragonsteel that I bought online because they put everything on the store for those of us who couldn't go. And then the frame is from Dragonwood Shop. And it's very nice. So you haven't taken the pins out of their original, like, support, like, cardboard, paper, backing thing. Correct. Correct. And so you just put the... How... So I took the... the are they, are they so... stable? Oh, I, I see. Okay. Yeah, okay, they're kind I of see. pinned through. There's, like, okay. uh, foam inside. So... Okay, well, I guess I will have to buy that. And then I also bought two more things that are the same thing. Oh, you got the uh, the, the travel tra postcard, yeah, travel posters. Yes. So these are the postcards. These are Kazair, Elantris, and Tertullier. And then I have. Erythiru, Lucidel, and visit the atmospheric forests of hell. Um, also in these very nice postcard frames from Dragonwood Shop. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's I it. think I think on the whole, the other the other set of three is a more pleasant vacation by far. And yet, this is these are my favorite three uh, depictions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Erythir is a nice place post Rhythm of War. But uh, Dragonwood Shop uh, does very nice work. This is the, these are the first things I'm buying from them. And I will definitely buy more stuff in the future because I have a lot of Sanderson swag and it seems like they are designing stuff to display it, which is yes. great. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and you can do that. Like, like uh, I think they also have like stuff for like cards and, and other things. So good, good stuff all around. Uh, Evgeny, do you want to want to lead us in? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So uh, last time, 
I can talk because I am the continuity. Uh, we talked about a bunch of wobs, and now we're going to talk about a bunch of more wobs. Uh, these are coming from... Oh, it looks like they're coming from Dragonsteel, from the convention last year. Mm -hmm. So we are continuing this party with Questioner. Questioner returns to the show with a question that says, Can someone who is not native to Nalthus use other forms of investiture to awaken objects? And Brandon says, once again, you are getting into this idea of how do you tell the investiture what to do? What you're asking for is possible. It's absolutely possible. But things becoming awakened like they are on Nalthus is not a natural result. We have a few natural results. You can take a bunch of investiture and some things will happen to you that are going to be shared across the Cosmere. And if you put investiture into something, investiture getting separated and becoming self-aware, that is natural. That process takes a long time. Awakening itself is a formalized way of doing it. So you can have it have a way to tell the investiture basically what you were trying to do with it. So I find this, this wab interesting. Uh, it's not necessarily telling us like a ton of a ton of new stuff but i think it's doing one of the things that a lot of my favorite wobs are doing which is kind of showing us how brandon thinks about the underlying laws of the cosmere and the magic of the cosmere right so what's going on here uh we have we have kind of a, a two maybe three things happening one of them is by default here is what happens when you put a bunch of investiture into either a person or an object, right? Uh, you put a, a bunch of investiture in a person that has some effects. We don't know what those effects are, but it seems like there is like strengthening of the body. There is like health benefits, um, maybe improved perception of like colors and sound like these are the kinds of things that just having investiture gives you and then if you put a bunch of investiture in an object uh eventually that investiture develops a mind of its own and you know goes off and, and does things uh and so awakening then as a magic system uh and, and i guess well I, I probably wouldn't count like the, the heightenings as, as part of this. Uh, but awakening as a magic system then becomes uh, kind of a shortcut for this natural process, which is investiture gaining a mind of its own. One, you get to make it happen much faster, right? You don't have to wait centuries or, or millennia. And two, you get to tell the investiture what kind of mind to develop. And you do so with the command. Uh, and I think that's a that's a really fascinating kind of like look uh, and insight into a magic system that I don't think we have thought too hard about in the past. I think we've just kind of assumed that this is how it works. Yeah, like uh, awakening just on the level seems like such a simple magic system, but there's a lot of nuance there once you start like digging into it. Evgeny, remind me, were you the one 
that got the wob about nozzles. Nozzles? Nozzles. About how, like, you need, like, something to shape the magic to have an effect. So, like, from a few years ago at this point. Oh. I don't think that one is mine, but I think I know which one you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Was that from a couple of years ago? I genuinely thought it was like part of this batch of wobs that I was excited to talk about it because I thought it was particularly relevant to this wob. I was gonna say I you know I just I was gonna say I thought it was one of those like intent command wobs that we got recently. Uh, well, I, I just searched Arcanum uh, for nozzle, and the wob I was thinking of is from Moogle actually. Oh, uh, back wow. in the our books AMA in twenty fifteen. So, wow. well, if it's if it's by Moogle, it's gotta be one of the I've ancient been in ones. This, yes. So it's like Moogle asks, like, if metals shape the investiture in Alamancy, causing a silly push or whatever, how is it that oh, mist can be one. used to perform the same feat? What is shaping the inhaled mist into a steel push if there is no metal nozzle to do so? Brandon, consistently through the Cosmere, once you have the power in hand and it has permeated, will becomes your nozzle. This can be seen in Warbreaker, where the powers have been distributed and inhabits people. Um, the nozzle idea is important for magics that are drawing power externally, um, as it keeps the power from overwhelming and destroying you, blah, 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 blah. So, it, yeah, in Brennan's head, like there are certain things in the Cosmere that shape the magic to a certain effect. But on certain levels, pure intention can do the same thing. It's just more dangerous, more complicated. Etc. Mm -hmm. More difficult. Mm -hmm. Also, I think more versatile. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, because if you are right, if you are uh, performing allomancy, there are only yeah. so many effects you can affect. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you are the shard of allomancy, if you are preservation, then you can shape the mat. Like your will, your intent is so much more than the metals themselves are. And so you can get to build a planet, right? Yeah. And we can also see this on like the mortal level as well. Like Alamancy, the nozzles are the metal. Like there's a fixed number of those, as you said, compared to Awakening, where like the nozzles are basically the commands, which are yep. much more numerous and also intention plays a much more dramatic role through all of that so you have more flexibility and can do more a, a broader spectrum of things within the things you can do all right this next one we we pulled it from the spoiler stream but we pushed ahead because it was my question and i wanted to talk about it um wow nepotism so i asked how were the people of Kamashi able to negotiate the spirits to remain as high on if they didn't have any Yoki Hijo? Was it just a myth that only the Yoki Hijo were, be, were able to negotiate with them to begin with? Brandon said, it wasn't a complete myth. They were more interested people with this investiture and the connection to them. The Yoki Hijo were far, far more effective, but they weren't the only ones who could theoretically negotiate with them. Plus, after what everybody had been through, some things had cha have changed. Mm. I feel like that, that some things have changed to me is so interesting because it's like, is it just a like, sociocultural change where maybe the, the spirits are more like 
willing to negotiate with other people now because they're like we've been through something traumatic and we don't want that to happen again or is it like an actual mechanic mechanical change to what's going on where like maybe there's more connection between the spirits and the people entirely or like there's some other mechanical change that actually happened when ever after everything went down it could really go either way because on the one hand the the spirits would be aware like oh all of the yoki hijo uh died except for this one and she doesn't really seem interested in like having a conversation anymore so like we kind of need to do this with somebody but also like there could maybe be a thing about how the father machine both had like the investiture of the spirits running through it as high on and the investiture of like the massively murdered population of Komashi running through it that like there was some mingling there that like connection was like propagated but hmm, I don't know uh I think it has to be more I think the the change has to be more on the soft side than the hard mechanical side. And the reason I say that is because the main thing I would expect, so I would I would expect either the spirits to change innately, just as, as living things can change over time, or uh, they can change as a result of people's perception of them, because as beings of, of mm-hmm. raw investiture or pure invest, like, raw investiture i I, is it i'm not sure um it's not pure it's not purified no it's not purified but it's pure in the sense that they are purely of investiture anyway yeah but as investiture creatures um they are they are subject to to people's perception right uh but that one so so the latter probably would not have played much of an effect into them because people largely didn't know about the spirits, right? The puppet ghosts of, of Torio kind of knew about them, but they are they were they are also investiture. So I don't I don't know if that works. And the people of uh Nagadan, which is where Painter is from, did not know about the spirits. So that leaves us with the option of, well, did the spirits change on their own over the past, you know, almost 2000 years? And while that is possible, I see the spirits as so if if we are to look at Stormlight, I see the spirits as being much closer to Windsprint than they are to Honorsprint, for example. They seem more simplistic creatures. Uh, and I wouldn't expect those to change very much on their own. So I think it's a, it's a societal, hey, the spirits are now okay watching television dramas instead of being attracted to art and stacks of stones. Mm-hmm. Some of them, at least. I do sure. wonder if... Because we still Yoki don't know Hijo how are, Yoki Hijo are made. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, will new Yoki Hijo eventually be chosen? Will they figure out that process to kind of like more 
formalize negotiations with the spirits and those spirits that aren't part of the Hion. Maybe we'll get like half a chapter in this Born Era form <laughs> that we'll talk about this. Yeah, they, I, uh, I do think the idea of like a new Yoki Hijo who's just like the biggest movie star on Kamashi is very fun. Oh, like, yeah. Questioner asks When somebody takes up a shard, do they inherently get knowledge when they get that shard? For example, does Teravangian know about hemallergy now just because he took up a shard? Or was that just ruins? Brandon, excellent question. Taking up a shard is going to impart a large amount of knowledge, more than even a shard can process immediately, and it'll take some time. And it's going to give you the ability to access a lot of other kinds of knowledge. Shards aren't omnipresent, but they kind of are. They are able to do many things at once. They are able to focus on many places and be aware of that location in a lot of instances. But at the same time, they are limited in their ability to, they don't know everything. They might be able to get access to most things, but it takes conscious, like, I need to know this. I need to find it out. It happens. It's written in a book that I can just, it's on this other planet and I can, and I absorb it and immediately know. Assuming it's not written in a way that you can't access, which certain formats make it hard to do. So Teravangian, if he cared to think about what hemology is, it's well enough known that he could be like, I wonder if there's a way to steal, oh, it's this. This is how it works on this planet. That would be an almost instantaneous thing for him to be able to learn if he wanted to. But does he hold it in his head right now? That remains to be seen. I've always liked this kind of model of... <laughs> you know, it's it's not... It's not being omniscious uh, or, or omniscient, uh, but it's kind of like that, right? It, it's a little bit... I was going to, like, as, as you were reading the question, uh, I realized that a metaphor that I've always liked for ascension is um, kind of if you, like, immediately inherit, like, a huge mansion or a huge library or something like that, and... It's all yours. You can go in any room that you want. You can read any book that you want. And you know roughly what is available out there, right? You've seen the, the building plans or whatever. But you still need to go and fetch that information, which in the case of a shard takes barely any time at all. It is nearly instantaneous. Uh, but it's it's kind of like this model of... I have the information, I just need to go fetch it. See, I, I was going to compare it to like Google, where Teravangian now has access to this computer and he can Google anything he wants and it'll probably be there on the first page. He just needs to know what question he wants to ask. Yeah, yeah, that's also bad. Which is yeah, cool, it, I like that. It, it's kind of getting into this like, shards know things, but they don't always know everything they know. Uh, you know, this reminds me of a seal. Oh, yeah. Right? You know you know how throughout the books, seal, and not just seal, like the Stormfather does the same thing, other Spren do the same thing. They're like, oh, I didn't know this thing until like you either, either swore a certain ideal or you thought to ask about it uh, and things like that. 
obviously spren are like very very miniature shards and so yeah. it stands to reason that similar rules could apply to them and so that's yeah. that's probably what's going on there yeah I, I feel like that is a more satisfying way of explaining what is going on with Spren rather than like yes. Spren just be weird. Yes. Oh, I, yes. Okay. I, I am I am I am in favor of of adopting this model instead of Spren be weird, you know. See see what's interesting to me though is I've always sort of I guess assumed that it was like a limitation of the human mind attached to the power. But I guess if like the Spren sort of do the same thing, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, it's the I mean, I guess mind that goes is into, certainly like... a limitation, yeah. right? Yeah. So that could also play a factor. But you know, the Spren mind is also much more limited than a shard's mind, or you know, the investiture that represents a shard yeah. Yeah. might be. So you can, I think you can, I think you can massage this into into something acceptable yeah and i guess that also kind of gets into like philosophical questions about like the differences between human minds and spread minds yeah. i don't know yeah i i think i think it gets really interesting when you go okay well how does a shard with a vessel compare to a shard that has developed uh uh, uh sapiens on its own mm. But I don't. We we have to get like we have to find a shard that's developed like that's that's being such a big like not a promise but a a good it's been a promise. That's an interesting <laughs> promise on Ben's part. Do, do you want the door to gain self awareness and learn hemology? Oh, See, it can't be the door. I think because the door's too messy. Well, no, because. Odium specifically shoved it into the cognitive realm to stop that from happening. Uh, no, he did that to prevent others from picking up the shard. But we yeah. do know that the land is developing a little bit of a sentience, according to Chris's essays. The land is, yes. Well, that that's coming from the door, right? Yes. You're just walking along on cell, and a giant metal spike shoves up to the ground and <laughs> creates, creates a spike. Your strength is now mine, little wanderer. The other interesting thing here, which isn't super surprising, is that information that is known kind of mm. is generally accessible to the shards. Yeah. It also reminds me a bit of the wob where Brandon talked about, like, um investiture of different intents being on different planets and how it's like you like you say the shards don't sort of don't know that it's there until like their mind expands to that place and then it was yeah. always there yeah mm -hmm. i think this also makes sense in the context of i don't it, it feels weird to me that a shard might be able to go to to like think to learn super specific things right mm -hmm. so if if odium is like oh i wonder if there is a person on schedule who left their kitchen cupboards open and they've got only wooden bowls in them like that is such a specific piece of information 
that it would feel weird to me if a shard can acquire that information without some like extraordinary circumstances. But the more widely available and well-known a piece of information is, such as a ton of people know about hemology. Uh, uh, shards know about hemology. That's like mm -hmm. the... I don't want to say information field because that gets into some hairy business. But like the average like level of knowledge of this piece of information is high enough. God, I wish I knew information theory well enough to like come up with a good metaphor here. But like it is above some threshold. And so a shard can pick that up and go, oh, okay, I know that. Right. Yeah. Um, the... Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good word to use here. That's funny. Um, like, no, like, okay. So let's say like every piece of investor, not investor, every piece of information, words that start with in confusing, every discrete piece of information exists as a nugget in the spiritual realm and the more people who know that thing the bigger the nugget and yeah. the easier to find i think i kind of want to go back and reread that um harmony letter sort of with this context because didn't harmony say like i didn't know who you were until you wrote me this letter kind of thing to hoy like i don't know i'd find that exactly i'd have to reread it it's been a while but i just think sort of that's an interesting almost like case study of <laughs> knowledge that is su probably super well known in the Cosmere at this point in time. People know who Hoyt is. There's also the Hero of Ages epigraphs of Sazed like coming into the power and like he kind of like instantly knows like the history of the shard of preservation itself. But like he's still like not sure what Adenalsium is. Like he's heard, like he's found the name, but like he doesn't have. Yeah. Well, uh, we are three questions deep in thirty minutes. So yeah. So let's get moving. <laughs> let's move on to our next question. Uh, that once again comes from questioner. When the heralds abandoned the oath pact, why did they believe they needed to leave their honor blades behind as they disbanded? Did they know? what would happen to their blades after they left them. Uh, and Brandon says, uh, there's a couple of things going on here. If you've read The Way of Kings Prime, there's a built uh, originally into the honor blades, the ability to find other honor blades by using them. This has not been canonized into the Cosmere as it exists yet, but it's still a power that's in the back of my mind. It is most likely something you can access with the honor blades, let you find the others. This is calling back to an old Fred Saberhagen swords books, uh, which were part of the inspiration for these. So one reason they would leave them behind, the lesser reason is they're supposed to go split up. They don't want to see each other again. They want to leave them behind because it's like the others might be able to find me. We are going our separate ways. We're done. But the greater reason, the canon reason that you can cite is the idea of I'm walking away from being a herald. This was the gift I was given and a representation of that gift I was giving that represents me standing up for humankind. And I'm no longer willing to do that. So I have to give this thing up. And they all knew it. They didn't have to be told it. 
because they knew what they were doing uh, meant that they didn't deserve those anymore. Not in a magical sense, but in a sort of philosophical and moral sense. I think that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting in Stormlight 5 if we get more information on, like, the Shin and the Stone Shamans, if this sort of finding honor blades with using a, a different honor blade thing is still, like, sort of there and how they are able to retrieve them from Truthless that they send out. Yeah, that would be... That would be the perfect opportunity for that, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's kind of the the you know cop walks out of the the mm-hmm. the, the thing and like leaves their badge, right? That's yeah, that's what's happening here. It's like gun and badge on the table. I'm walk. I'm piecing out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This next one's my question is about Vin's earring. We see later on in the books that hemolytic spikes lose their charge very rapidly, but Vin leaves her earring in a box. So how does it contain enough charge to still have enough of an effect for her to redden? I have this on a logarithmic scale. At the beginning, you lose some power pretty quick, and then it evens out. And my answer there is just there was enough left, and it could have, at that point, gone decades without getting to the point that it's a, a hemorrhagic spike in name only. The reason they want to keep, they want to maintain as much power in those as they can, which is why they talk about this thing. The first day you leave that spike without a host or without taking certain precautions, you lose the most power that you're ever going to lose. So those who were aware of this tried very hard not to let that happen. But once it does happen, you end up with something like Venteering, which still has a hemorrhagic charge, a significant one, enough of what to have a, a change on the person wearing it. If we didn't do this then, like color spikes would be meaningless very quickly. I built it into this. It's one of those like sharp drop off steep drop offs and then not bad yeah i think that's also something that makes a lot of sense yeah it's not surprising it does adjust some of my perception of things where basically like the leveling off point is higher than i i had in my head but like that makes sense with like vin's earring is fine and the cola spikes are fine like it's not leveling off close to zero it's like leveling off at like 50% 50% say and then slowly going down sure there. probably not that high but yeah sure uh, but like wax got some something with enough of a charge to, you know I don't know if he ever did anything with the charge in his Pathian earring but it like it was there it allowed Harmony to talk to him yeah this one is from questioner if a leecher who can burn chromium and like wipe out other people's metal reserves, who also could burn duralumin, touched a normal person and then burned both metals at the same time, how bad is that going to be for you? Brandon, let me ask you this. What do you think is going to happen? Riddle me this questioner. <laughs> yeah, questioner. There is a very short term like, where is my soul effect? It may or may not be permanent. Brandon. I'm going to raffle this one for now because I'm planning to do some of this in the future, but I'll raffle it for now. I think you're theorizing in the right direction. Dura Lumen lets some weird things happen, as you will see in the books. That's exciting. Yeah. I, I think the effect of this is going to be very similar to the effect of Nightblood feeding on someone. 
So the leecher will eat the other person's kind of like extra investiture. So if they have like breaths or stormlight or other investiture that they are holding that is not innate, uh, it will start with that. And I don't know if I like there's no way to tell whether that would be powerful enough to like eat the person's soul in the way that that Nightblood can, right? Probably also depends on like how much metal they have. Even yeah. with Duralu like Duralumen burns all the metal you have in an instant. So mm-hmm. like I mean that just depends on how much chromium you yeah. you have inside how, you at the time that you Yeah, how how big of a leech are you compacting in a single moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I want to say there's a getting into like he has plans for this in the future. Is one of the main characters of Mistborn Era 3 supposed to be a Nicrasil? Nicrasil. Nicrasil. Okay. I was close. The other metal. I, so the other thing that is interesting to me here is what effect this might have on beings of investiture. So mm. can you kill a shade by super leeching it? Can you kill a Sion or a Spren? by super leeching it. I mean, if you do it against a shade, you better hope it kills it. Otherwise, <laughs> you're in for a bad day. Um, very quickly. That is a good question. I'm inclined to think it wouldn't kill them, but it may disrupt them for a period of time. What do you say that? Vibes? Vi- mostly vibes. <laughs> um, because like there is a thing about the only way we know about how to kill Spren is to annihilate it with the equivalent anti-investiture. Yes. So, like that's not what leeching is doing. Correct. And also it's an external entity that has awareness. So it's like it's like this, well, like, so the that's way... like bigger and more complicated than just like wiping out the metals inside somebody. Yes, true, valid. The reason I think it may be possible is because you know, f- fundamentally speaking, what's the difference between a spren and a breath? Right. It's the fact I think that a spren has its own identity. Yes, it's a it's about the quantity of investiture, but it's also about identity. And so what does identity do in a lot of magic systems? It acts as a barrier to... It's an identity yeah, yeah, field. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 identity field. It acts as a barrier to outside interference. And so mm-hmm. something like a Larkin or a Leecher can uh, uh, eat a breath. Uh, oh, I, I, guess, I guess the Leecher is not eating the breath, it's just like making it disappear i don't think the leecher is gaining any benefit from the investiture they drain they they make it disappear because there is no identity or there or rather there's not enough identity left to like prevent this magical effect from coming in and and sending this investiture into the spiritual realm right mm-hmm. if you were to do that to a spren the spren's identity would be there now the 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 problem with with that i think is if you can leech another person, if you can eat the investiture from another person, just like extra investiture, right? Breath and, and stormlight. Mm-hmm. 
that implies to me that this investiture that they are just holding in themselves is not coded or at least not coded strong enough with their identity because that's kind of, that's this investiture becomes the easiest target for leeching effects right it it has the least protection in fact it doesn't have enough protection to to guard against that and so in in the context of that i was thinking about shades now shades i think retain some of their original identity i don't know if i have a good reason to believe that they do but the fact that like they retain the shape of the original person somewhat i i think that has to be tied to identity in some way and so i think a shade would have more of the original identity than like a blob of investiture might which i guess did i argue myself into the opposite position <laughs> we do know that shades are not as self-aware as other cognitive shadows yes but i Identity doesn't necessarily have to be involved there. So I could see like some measure of identity remaining of them. What was the deal with Claude? Claude was awakened with his own (laughs) breath, right? No, he was just a... If you awaken a lifeless with their own breath, like it would have some effect, Mm. but that's not what going okay. on with Claude. Yeah. I, I think for me, and I don't know if we know this, if you guys if you guys know otherwise you can tell me. The the question of what actually happens to the investiture after you reach it from someone is actually like I think kind of important to this question. Like hmm. are you just somehow like releasing it as is back to the spirit web spiritual realm? Are you somehow like is the process of leeching it somehow purify it and turn it into just more like generic investiture rather than what it was before does it like i don't and i don't think this would be it but like does it somehow like turn into like a small burst of energy like i i think that what actually happens to it is actually kind of an important thing because if it's just like okay you have investiture in the form of metals in someone and you're just like pulling it out and letting it go back to the spiritual realm as it was I think that's probably a lot harder to do something to someone's soul like that, as opposed to like actively turning the investiture into energy the way something like Nightblood does. Yeah, fair. It's a good point, Grace. We don't understand it as much as we think we do. <laughs> yeah, leeching, leeching is one of those things where it's, it's a rabbit hole is what's happening <laughs> there, right? Uh, cool, cool, cool. Interesting food for thought. But the show must go on into the next question, which once again comes from questioner who asks, why or how are the heralds the only ones we've seen so far that are affected by magical maladies due to either their high investiture or long lives? Uh, And Brandon's answer is a little bit on the longer side here, Uh, but essentially what he says is that uh well first of all uh the fused are probably in the same boat as the heralds uh they they've lived just as long uh and they are magically speaking very very similar uh but really the crux of the problem is uh humans are not meant to live as long as the heralds or the fused have and that 
it takes a toll on the soul. And when you add just repeated uh, uh, torture and guilt and stress and PTSD, and you compound all of these things over thousands of years, it's not just that, as we've learned in the previous swab, uh, that human perception changes the, the souls of the heralds, but it's also the experiences of the heralds over a thousand years uh, have had an effect on them. Uh, and then I will read the last bit because I think there's some interesting stuff here uh, where Brandon says, and these things are all just kind of overlapping together with the fact that they've been alive for so, so very long. And a lot of people that you've seen otherwise have not been alive nearly orders of magnitude more for the heralds. Uh, the only people you've seen that are that old are some of the dragons, Hoid, the vessels of various shards. And you are basically at that group. Uh, and this is a group who uh, knows what they are doing. Either they were built like the dragons. This is part of their innate nature that they are functionally immortal or they're getting the shards, or you are getting people that are 300 years old, which is a very different thing, Cosmere-wise, than having lived for thousands and thousands of years, part of it being torture. Uh, and the part that Brandon didn't mention here is Hoyd, who cheats by, at the very least, like doing some juggling with his memory, like purging old memories that are irrelevant and so like otherwise alleviating the stress of mm -hmm. having been alive for so long external hard drives very useful when it comes to memories apparently yeah uh, yeah just flash storage all the way mm -hmm. so who, who would have guessed that getting tortured for thousands of years would cause mental health issues and lead to yes. slight insanity you know, it's a surprise to me we are glib about it but it is surprising that the maladies manifest in the way that they do, right? Mm -hmm. You can see, like, Kalak, for example, and his, like, indecision and lack of confidence. You can see Jezrian and his, uh, you know, whatever is going on yeah, with him that has driven him to just drink all of the time. But, like, 3,000 years or 4,000 years of torture... Don't make Ishar into uh, the megalomaniac that he like. I don't. I don't think torture turns people into people who think they're gods. <laughs> and, and also, you know, shalash, right? That yeah. their destruction of of art is completely separate. So yes, it's a part of it, but it's not the full picture. Well, like her destruction of art is also like, hey. You shouldn't be like you shouldn't worshiping us, and depicting yeah. us like this, which like yeah. fine. There's an argument to be made there, but yeah, interesting. I've always been fascinated by you know not not just in Brenda's book, but but in general, like the idea of immortality. Right? Uh, mm -hmm. It is it is so interesting. It also so difficult to me to imagine. You know, I can. I can imagine living up to like a hundred or like even a couple of hundred years. Uh, but once you get much more past that, it's like, oh, the days really do 
just blur together. And it's not just the days, right? The years start blurring together. You get that, like, at our age, where it's like, oh, like, Oh, summer vacation used to, yeah <laughs> summer vacation used to last forever and now it's like oh it's not still 2022 <laughs> what are you talking about yeah it's like, um i don't know if this is like scientifically a fact uh, uh or just someone like theorizing about why that is happening uh but i i like the idea that as you grow older, any given period of time represents a smaller fraction of your life. And so when you were 10, a three-month summer break is a significant portion of your life. When you're 50, that's mm -hmm. less so, right? When you are 7,000, yeah, let's move on. All right. Thanks away, Grace. Yeah, so this question said... Say a shard is splintered beyond recognition. Would some rather industrious people with something perhaps like a dawn shard be able to change that shard? Brandon, yes, that is theoretically possible. And a different questioner said, I want to ask about how we were just told you could use a dawn shard to reshape a shattered shard, perhaps into something different. Brandon, I didn't actually confirm that. They just said, maybe using a Dawn Shard, they were looking, is there a way to do this? And I'm saying, there is theoretically a way to do this. Would a Dawn Shard have to be involved? But it's not something that I'm canonizing. And then the original questioner said, is that the main reason that the Night Brigade is pursuing Zellian in pursuit of the Dawn Shard? Brandon said, the main reason that the Night Brigade is chasing Zellian is that the Dawn Shards represent one of the most valuable things in the entire Cosmere. Why are they that valuable? It's because they are one of the things that, I mean, the Dawn Shards shattered Adenalsium. That's what they did. And the vessels are all very rightly scared of them. That would be the second main reason. There are other reasons. It's interesting that you may be able to change a shard. Yeah. Just like, like we know, like, the, sh the Adenalsium could sh have shattered into a different set of 16. Yep. Mm -hmm. The fact that you could change the intent of a shard in this way. I think an interesting follow-up might be, is it theoretically possible to change a shard into whatever other shard you want? Or can you like go from, I don't know, like honor to... To unity? Well, hmm. I mean, this, this feels like a unity question to me. I, I, I'm going like, to back away from honor and honor to like obligation, we'll say. That's like a divine sure. quality, perhaps. I was, I was going to go for harmony and discord. Mm. That's its own weird case. Yeah. Where like but... neither of those are actually intense. Okay, okay. De devotion. Odium to, to passion. Love. How's that? Yes. So can you can you change it into whatever you want, or can you like rotate the facet of the shard that is like facing you, quote unquote? I think it's more of a rotate the facet thing. I think it has to be because like yes, like it could have shattered into a different 16 pieces given the entirety of the thing if you only have 116 to yes. work with it's like there's pieces missing 
that are in all the other shards that like mm-hmm. you can't really play with. you probably can't turn devotion into hatred right yeah, yeah. Turn devotion into love or something like that could potentially be like yeah. adding an element i don't know I, I say potentially i don't know really exactly what devotion I mean, I, I guess there is the question of, like, if the Dawn Shards were powerful enough to shatter Adonalsium, maybe they're powerful enough to just, like, fully rewrite a shard into something independent. There's also the question of, like, like how pervasive would it be? Like, would it only work on, like, the blob of investiture oh. you're working on? Would it, like automatically change what that shard is across its like infinite investiture across the cosmere like remotely or would there be like this new shard and then there's still like old pieces of devotion scattered randomly across the cosmere but it's like like okay so shattering animalsium that's like you're killing god right difficult yes but like we've seen shards die before it's not like outside the realm of possibility intent i guess i guess you can like purify door and i guess maybe like you know maybe maybe the dog shards could do like purify door on like the level of an entire shard and that could do something but like i don't don't know what i just talked myself into i had had a different point coming into this (laughs) yeah i'm like we just we still don't really know what purify door means no like, it, yeah, it seems usable, like, broadly speaking, but, like, where does it go guess, when it gets used? And I guess the question for me is, well, my question in regards to the Purified Door in relation to this is, how much intent does Purified Door still, like, have immediately to it, right? Is it still sort of that Devotion-Dominion mix, but it's somehow been purified in a way that lets it be used by anyone? Or does the purification process sort of inherently change that intent? Excellent questions. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we get a wob on this because we sure are not getting it in a book anytime soon. No. No. Also, and, like, and then we say that and then Elantris 2 is just like the process of purifying doors. Oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be nice. Actually, the uh, the Ars Arcanum there is like a, an alchemical process that shows you how to purify. I'll be more conservative Elantris 3 I will accept that I, I think it's more likely that like Chris has a note in there of like you know the possibilities of purifying door have come to my attention and intrigue me in relation to the future future of the causeway and that's all we get mm. yeah well yeah you and me both baby girl moving on from the time lord known as the questioner the questioner um, the 16th shard actually Given that Kandra can replicate human organs, is it possible for a human and a Kandra to have a child? And if so, would that child be purely human or some kind of combination? Brennan, that's a yes, and it would be some kind of combination. I don't like this question. Let's go! <laughs> yeah, Brennan, until this happens in a book, I'm not going to take any of this as canon because Brennan has changed his mind. Like, every Twice. time... This question has been asked. He has, he has truly, and I don't, I don't want to go and dig up the old wobs, but he has truly gone from this is not possible to the Kandra would need to remain in human form for the entire duration of the pregnancy. And presumably if the Kandra was uh, uh, if, uh, if imitating the a male human. Yeah, yeah. 
to now yeah that is just possible and you get some kind of a weird hybrid i i don't like thinking about what i can't drink human hybrid for me yeah like that mm, it's not real until it happens in the books yes next yes. question yes once again from uh unknown questioner who asks in yumi and the nightmare painter when yumi is flying out into the shroud hoyt makes a comment he says she didn't even need to burn thin thin tin tin i don't know why i said thin but it's tin uh and that is in the context of oh she can see through the shroud uh, mm. as if it's not there does that mean that the mist's own schedule are made of something similar or even the same thing as the dispersed souls on yumi's planet and bren says yeah something similar the idea is that being able to see through the investiture happens when you are kind of aligning to it in certain ways it stops disrupting as much and you gain some sort of extrasensory perception that it doesn't interfere with you as it might with someone else and it's really nothing more than that she's aligning with it and in mistborn it's aligning to theirs it doesn't mean she's able to see through the mists uh, and questioner follows up with that's kind of the answer to my second question which was does that mean that any highly invested individual could see through scadrian mist whether they are using breath or stormlight or Brent says not necessarily there are ways you can do it but not necessarily i like this question or i, I like this answer rather yeah it's yeah. kind of a it's kind of a genuine like here's a, a thing about how magic works in the cosmere and it's not like a grand big thing that you can't necessarily comprehend it's here's a here's a small corner of the of the universe yeah, if you're aligned to a certain piece of investiture it doesn't hmm. pose as much an obfuscation I, uh, to your i guess you can like really nitpick into what it means to align with investors like when you are burning tin for example like what is the mechanical effect uh you know tin shaped investiture suffuses your or like you are vibrating at the frequency of tin or something like that i don't necessarily want to go there because i, I will i'll go there because it's like specifically tin investiture it's about perception and it's like oh it's in you're being infused with preservations investiture along present along like perception vibes so it makes sense like yeah you'd be able to see through preservations investiture in the form of the mists yeah see the thing is well, like when you say preservation vibes i'm like how mechanical is that perception vibes okay point of clarification oh perception vibes ah does not change my question in any meaningful shape sometimes you just have to expect the cosmere is built more on vibes than we want to think about well no i i don't disagree with that which was <laughs> the reason i didn't want to get into the whole thing because it felt very vibey vibes are fun <laughs> the other 16th shard actually mm -hmm. just vibes that's the name just, just vibes just vibes i wonder if i was thinking of other like magical obfuscations in the cosmere and i was trying to draw parallels and the only one that i could think of was uh the thrill 
which manifests as kind of a, a red, red list. Red yeah. haze, yeah. And Dalinar was walking through it. But also, he was like, yes, he was connected to Odium, but he was not really suffused by his investiture. So mm-hmm. that's that's probably not relevant. You you become attuned to autonomy's investiture, and you can like walk through Kazare without the sun glaring into your eyes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only. This next question was asked by a questioner. What is the biggest editorial change you have ever made to one of your stories from your Arcanist who said, oh, you can't do this because of inaudible or for canon content? Raynan said, I'm not sure if I can come up with the biggest. I can list a couple of them that I did change. They have a lot of influence over Sunlit Man and my weird little tiny planets, my little prince planets that you're traveling around. Did I need to do that accurately? To the point that at some points I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to give a magical solution to that. And they're like, that's fine. Know that physicists will complain. And then they did. But then they got mad. Not mad. But they're like, but there is a magical reason. I only have a full Arcanist team on a couple of books so far. They've been involved in all the secret projects. They're working with me on Stormlight 5. It's just me finding the people who ask the questions that make me go, huh, I hadn't considered that and then putting them to work to be doing that on my behalf. Really, most of what they do is not say, no, they say, we would like an explanation. You should make sure that this is included. And once in a while, it makes me pull back on an idea. But they're usually really small things that are going to cause issues for the future and things like that. I just met with them on Stormlight 5, for instance, and they gave me a few pointers on things. They'd say, you probably should explain this. You probably should not use this line because people are going to explore that and extrapolate that direction. And I'm like, you are right. Most of the cases, they're like, what is this? And then I explain it and they're like, great, you have an answer. We can move on. You'd have to ask them, but I'd say that one out of 10 times, I don't have an answer. But those one out of 10 times are really handy for them to be asking those questions. And I don't have answers to because I have to go do this for all of you and to better have the answers by then. I think that's a good way to this so if you if you don't know both i and e and r on the arcanist team and i think this is a fair way to describe what we do it's we read the book and we go very rarely do we get to go oh this doesn't work uh most of the times it's we don't understand how this works brandon (laughs) yeah it's like we don't understand how this could possibly be the answer but like hopefully you have an answer for us yeah uh we don't usually get the answer like what we would like is for brandon to tell us how things work and then for us to like figure out how to make them work in the book in reality what happens is we say hey we don't know how this works and then we get the next draft where it's been revised but yeah we are we are in in many ways just like I think the description I give a lot of the times, it's like sensitivity readers, but for magic nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's not our job to fix the problems, although we do try our best to like provide as much useful information to Brandon as we possibly can. Our job is to show him how the hardcore like mechanics gang is going to interpret certain things or process certain things or what kind of questions they're going to ask and so on. But at the end of the day, we provide suggestions and then Brandon is 
Brandon is always going to Brandon. Brandon's always going to Brandon. Next question. Okay. Questioner asks, I have a question about the end of the Lost Medal, where one character lives and one character dies. That character kind of explicitly talked to Harmony and asked if there was a way to not die. Was Harmony lying? And if Harmony was not, inaudible. Um, So this is referring to Wayne at the end of Lost Metal, who is like chatting up with Sazed before the bomb goes off. And I think Harmony says, oh, there's like 1% chance that you can, you know, save the world and live or something like that. Mm -hmm. Brandon, I would say that Harmony was not necessarily, but... Harmony's not lying by Harmony's perspective of things. In other way, words, is there a way to make this not like maybe there is, like me bringing together powers? Is there a theoretical path? Maybe, but not realistically, if that makes sense. I would say Harmony wasn't lying by the way Harmony see, was seeing things. Questioner, it seems a little bit like we've seen gold compounding recover from pretty significant things. If he blasts out of the bubble with a Duralumin push and then he uses pure door to heal, even considering all of that, Brandon, Harmony seeing all of that and being like, none of this is going to work in this situation. It's like, yeah, if you had a set of shard plate, you'd probably be fine. <laughs> you don't have a set of shard plate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Gold healing doesn't really work when your entire body vaporizes it at once, and there really wasn't a good way to avoid that with what he had, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the more powers... you So, like, if you go, okay, so you do the thing, and then you're going to push out of that, and then you burn this thing to protect yourself, and you got pewter going on, and you also do, like... The more things you add, the more time it takes to execute all of that, and you are doing all of this in the middle of an explosion Mm -hmm. and and so Mm -hmm. chances are if you are trying to execute some like very convoluted plan that uses a bunch of powers one the room for human error goes up with each one of them and you know any any mistakes just uh, uh vaporizes you and two it takes time to to do all of these things so yeah i i think my impression is that there are parts of the fandom that look for malice in harmony and i'm not sure why that is like are, are they do they think like do they think says is literally bad for some reason are they looking for like signs of discord early like because to me this reads as in my brain i can conceive of wayne surviving this with all of the powers he had so why did harmony tell him that that's not possible oh harmony must be lying from my perspective like Harmony didn't want to give false hope to Wayne in his final moments. Like he was trying to perform a kindness. I'm I'm presuming kindness on the part of Harmony in this answer. It's like, yeah, th- there's technically a way. Sucks to be you because you can't do it. That would be mean and bad on Sazes' part. Yeah, it's like. But I am a Harmony apologist, so. And I, I think even just from like you know, like Harmony was okay with 
wax living and you know wax was also a misborn by this point and like knew a lot of the same secret things Wayne did it's not like there was some I think knowledge that Harmony was like oh like Wayne needs to die so the existence of misborn can't get out into the world like I don't think there was anything like that there for sure okay uh, sounds like we don't have anything else to say about this one so let's move on to the next question which says, assuming you have a way to siphon out a vessel from a shard, how much hemallergic metal would be required to contain that vessel? Uh, and unsurprisingly, Brandon says, an astronomically large amount. Oh, the vessel? Or contain a shard? The vessel, just a little dude, not that much. <laughs> Basically, like a decent-sized gemstone would hold an unmade and that's more investiture than we are talking about. Uh, questioner follows up with, can hemallergic metal hold around the same amount of an invested creature as a pure gemstone? Uh, and Brandon says that a gemstone can hold more. So what are we what are we learning here? We learn that a reasonably sized gemstone can hold an unmade. We, we've seen that uh, in the books. Uh, I, I think the King's Drop is described as the size of a baby's head or something like that. So, you know, uh, or or maybe a person's head. I'm not sure if it's a baby's head. Uh, but, you know, that's by gemstone standards is big. By object standards, not that big. Uh, and that can hold an unmade. And we are told that an unmade uh, is more investiture than a vessel which is interesting to me that tracks for me uh and we also know that night blood ate a vessel uh it ate rays and that was enough to satiate night blood he got full and fell asleep or I mean, do we think it also yes. ate some of the shard i, I think it also ate some of the shard like Okay. I think it ate through race and then ate some of the shard and which is like, yeah, so that's a lot of investiture. I'm sleepy and you want to go to take a nap. Okay. Yeah, I can buy that. Yeah. But like ultimately all a vessel is is a person. <laughs> so like if like Yezrian can fit in a gemstone. A small one. Too. Uh, uh, like, yeah, a small one. Then a vessel could fit in a Okay. tiny gemstone yeah i i think i was just yeah. walking into this with the assumption that a vessel is more mm -hmm. because they're so yeah. like because we know that their soul gets right they, yeah. they get sliverized and so their their soul is expanded by the influx but maybe it's just it doesn't get expanded to like a meaningful you know well, it gets expanded in the way a balloon gets expanded, where it's like, yes, it is containing more, but the vessel itself is not changing, like, in mass. Yeah. No, I, I see and, what you're saying. And then I think in this question, the first part of this is the difficult part of this process, actually separating the vessel from the shard. It's like... Okay, sure, if you can figure out how to do that, it's not that difficult. But, like, untangling this person from this vast amount of power that is containing their soul at this very moment, and is also, like, yeah, is, is, is where the difficulty of this process actually comes in. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting little bit of lore. This next questioner asked, does Shalon unwillingly shapeshift when she is holding Stormlight and an alter takes control? If not, why do her alter's identities not affect her in the same way that other people's identity does? Brendan, yes, she does shift. Sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's unconscious, but yes, it does happen. So ultimately, they're not other people. They're still Shalon. So like there's like slight changes. But I would be surprised if it was like a Yumi situation where it's like Shalon just like completely changed into Vale mm. at any point. Because like ultimately, like- Vale is just Shalon. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a distinct identity, even though it's a it's a complicated mental thing. Yeah. And we don't like when we see her like take on her these other like sort of forms. It's with light weaving. She doesn't. I don't think we ever really, at least that we've like that has been pointed out in the text. See her ever like actually physically change? Yeah, because Radiant is actually a little bit taller than than Shalon, mm-hmm. for example. It's not just the hair color. So, I don't know. Like this has to be like minor alterations, not like a full on shapeshift, in my opinion. Even though that's kind of what Brandon is saying. I think this both the question and the answer are a little bit weird, and I'm not sure fully what either is saying, so I don't want to think about it too hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just wondering if Brandon's answer was thinking about the light weaving, and the questioner was asking about, like, the physical changes that happen. So, yeah. I don't know. Next question. If a shade attacks a non-threnodite... Do they turn into a shade? Brandon? Nope. Nope. Uh, makes sense, right? Shades are bits of investiture that are attached to the souls of Threnodite, as we learn in The Sunlit Man. That's an interesting way of phrasing that. How so? Because, like, a living Threnodite walking around, like, doesn't have a shade riding their soul. I mean, they kind of do. It's not a like a, a fully formed shade, but it's the the investiture that will become the shade is there. Okay. And I guess on on death, it just I don't know. Maybe it it takes on some of the person's investiture. So there's like whatever. a shade egg in their soul that hatches when they die. Uh more like the sh- is riding shotgun. <laughs> But like earlier in this episode, we were talking about the shades having the identity of the person they were. So yeah, it's so, like the shard is a distinct thing from the no, no, person. No. Right. So it, I mean, it, it, it is a little bit like breath in that it is mm-hmm. integrated with their soul, but it's distinct from their soul. But it must be different from breath in the sense that it's is a little bit like it's it's a little bit closer to a cognitive shadow than it is to like just a chunk of investiture because it does have some of the the person's maybe memories unclear but certainly appearance it's been too long since i read sunlit man so <laughs> i can't review anything you're saying to be fair ox is not terribly forthcoming with information 
but I I believe he does he does say something to the effect of, oh, uh, because this happens in the context of like how many BEUs does uh, a person from Canticle have, right? Because they get uh, I, I think it happens when Nomad eats uh, one of the Sun Hearts. Mm-hmm. And and Ox is like, well, you got you know two thousand or however many BUs was in that thing, and they're like, there's no way a person on this planet is walking around with two thousand people worth of investiture. Even even Thranodides who have this a little bit of extra like ambition attached to them don't have that much, right? They they have like mm-hmm. barely more than one, or they have about two. I don't remember what the final numbers ended up mm-hmm. being. Well, yeah, shades are weird. Yeah. Oh, hey, look, the next question is about Canticle. Yeah. Uh, about that. Funny how that works out. Let's see what it says. It says, if I were to visit Canticle in the Subastral, bonus points to you, questioner, for using the word Subastral. What would that look like? Uh, and Brandon says, I think it'd be pretty violent. And a source of constant shaking and tremors. Uh, would it be dangerous? Yes. I think it'd be dangerous. Fun. Almost surprised Brandon answered that. Because he's been very cagey about... Because I think people have asked him about the appearance of the Naltian Sabastro And the sixth of the... Uh, not sixth of the... Uh, first of the sun Sabastro, mm-hmm. And he's raffled... All of these, I think he's raffled the Taldanian one as well. I think this is because like those are all like more important worlds that he's planning on telling more stories in. Whereas sure, I don't think he has an idea in mind for a story exploring the Canticleian subastral. So it's like, yeah, I'll just like this isn't something I'm like actively thinking about. Like here are the vibes. Whereas like. I'm sure we'll see the Nolthian subastral at some point. Like, there's customs there. Well, like, we got to go through the yeah. customs. Yeah, we have to go through customs. <laughs> that, and it, like, it makes it makes yeah. sense if the cognitive is like a mirror of the physical. Then, like, every time the physical realm changes and like you have different shapes of you know oh. hills and valleys, that causes echoes. I imagine the subastral under the water and you know how do you make tidal waves you you know have like a little change in shape of the of the like because i assume i assume it's all like the water equivalent in the cognitive realm and what you're seeing is like hey the uh the 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 sea bottom basically is constantly changing causing lots of like tidal wave type movements on top it's, it's a sun-flavored world. It's liquid sunfire. It's it's bad times. It's mm-hmm. bad times. Yeah, I think that checks out. This questioner asks, at any given point in the Cosmere, would Yolin be more technologically advanced than any other planet or society in the Cosmere? Brandon, I think Yolin falls behind because of certain things that they have access to. The point where it is the furthest along is during the early days, when it's like Bronze Age and everyone else is like Stone Age. So right at the beginning, I think other plants have passed it by since then consistently. Once the shards started meddling in things, planets started going faster and the shards weren't meddling on Yolan. 
So Yolen had had a more natural, maybe even slow technological progression, whereas some of the other planets have been super fast. Interesting that this implies none of the shards remain mm-hmm. on Yolen, which like we may have heard tell of before. I'm not certain. It's possible that we've gotten a while that there's no shard on Yolen. I'm I'm a little surprised Brandon didn't say like an answer like, oh, there was a point in time when humans were only on Yolen. So yeah. yes. Uh, well, I don't I don't know if that was the case though, right? Mm. Uh, because at the very least, like there were singers or dawn singers on sure. on Roshar pre-shattering. So fully possible that there were other. Uh, in, in fact, we might know for a fact that there have been other like strands of of humans. I elsewhere. mean, we definitely know that because in the essays, it's like. Scadrial is specifically marked Scadrial. as being one of like the two places in the Cosmere where humans don't predate the shattering. Yeah. Mm. Which, which I like, guess is not confirmation. Like it's still possible yeah. that, you know, way back when it was just Yolen and then it was a bunch of other places and then the shattering happened. But yeah. Mm-hmm. When was the Bronze Age? Okay. Before the Iron Age and after the Stone Age. Okay. So uh, 2000 BC, 700 BC. So what is interesting to me here is we are 10,000 years away from the shattering. Mm-hmm. Right? Ish. It is if humans were in the Bronze Age on Yolen around the time of the shattering. It is interesting to me that they are not way more advanced by now. Well, like and yes, the Cosmere doesn't need to develop at the same rate as Earth. And yes, there were circumstances on Yolen specifically, but it's still 10,000 years. Yeah, but also, like, Earth doesn't cons- develop at the same rate as other parts of Earth. Like, there's still, like, Stone Age peoples, like, on planet Earth now. Progression of technology isn't necessarily a given. True. Just mind-boggling mm-hmm. to me. Maybe. Yeah, it's like the, the the progression of like Stone Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age, etc. Like, yeah, it happened for like certain cultures on Earth, but like order of operations isn't necessarily consistent, and like sometimes it's just random chance. I mean. Yeah, it's it's gonna be what it is. Next question: If Mraze doesn't have to be Mraze, it could be anyone. Um, took an Adium spike and put it through Hoyd's chest. Adium is a wild card; it can take any power. Um, and then into himself, would he gain different abilities because of Hoyd's altered spirit web? Brandon, yeah, he probably would. That's really terrifying to think about. Interesting that this is what Brandon calls terrifying. Yeah, using hemolurgy on Hoyd. What a waste. You get one thing and he has so many <laughs> things going on with him. I'm like, there needs, there must be a better, more effective way. Of yeah, but so, so is he going to heal though? Can you railgun hemolurgic spike into Hoyd and just steal all of the things and then do it again once he heals? Yeah, I feel like Hoyd could, if anyone can survive the spike, it's Hoyd, right? Like, like, we know it's like the the soul damage is healable from gold yep. through Kami. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
So and it has just, to be just raw Stormlight can heal soul damage. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting that it's terrifying because, like, yes, Hoyt has a lot of powers, but individually, is anything like that Toyd has really terrifying when you compare it to like anyone else with this like a similar power set of like yeah he's got like Alamancy and he's got light weaving from Yolan and now from Roshar and he's got a bunch of breath and probably some other like stuff in there but I don't feel like anything individually is terrifying. Um I wonder I, I agree with you. And I wonder if the if the terrifying part has something to do with the Dawn Shard. Because mm. that's that's what's really funky with Hoyt's soul. It's not that he has a bunch of magic systems. It's that he was a Dawn Shard for a while. Mm-hmm. Maybe still is, right? Maybe maybe that maybe that's what Brandon is saying here. Oh, maybe you can steal the Dawn Shard from Hoyt with a spike. And and that's terrifying. Yeah. I wonder if maybe there's a way to steal the benefits of a Dawn Shard without the, like, sort of protections of being unable to hurt people. Mm. If you know what you're doing. Yeah, like, get the healing factor, basically. No, I, I think it's not. a We don't know. Well, we don't know. I I think it's a bad <laughs> that, Maybe that's the terrifying thing. <laughs> well, hopefully we will never find out. Oh, well, we have... Reached the end of the Dragon Steel. I don't know where these questions are coming from because they're not from the spoiler. Oh, they're from the Dragon Steel spoiler Q and A. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we uh, have reached the final one of these, and it comes from Tubbs. I don't know who that is, but it's not Questioner. Tubbs. Lowercase Q Questioner. Yeah. Yeah. Tubbs asks. Auxiliary and Nomad, the Knight's Radiant Bond is kind of flipped around a little bit. Is it possible for Adolin and Maya to do to have something similar happen to them? Uh, and Brandon says, there is something that could happen there. Don't hold your breath, but it's possible. I won't raffle that. It's possible. Adolin, Adolin Blade Theory is alive and well. Bladelin. Um, like I kind of object to the question. Yeah, yeah. The, the radiant bond is kind of flipped around a bit. Like we, we don't know that. Like that doesn't auxiliary is just saying words. We're not seeing anything mechanically that implies that. I mean, there is there is ox giving nomad like actual surges once again, which is weird. That's normal Radiant Bond stuff. This friend give the Radiant Surges. I mean, yeah, Alks not did explicitly by... say that he swore oaths. And that he never betrayed them, which is also weird. So anyone can swear oaths and not betray them. Yes, but the implication is that this has mechanical benefits. I disagree that it implies mechanical I mean, that Action. conversation happens right before Ox burns himself out to give Nomad power. Like, one thing in text leads to the next thing in, the, like... Or it just means, like, hey, I didn't give up on, like, the, the things we were working for 
ergo, I will now sacrifice myself so you can do this thing. Doesn't mean like because he didn't break his oaths, he is able to do that thing. He probably could have done that at any point. It's just like he's doing it because he didn't break those things. I am here to fight today. I accept that this is an acceptable explanation. Uh, but either way, I don't. I don't think that what's happening is that the bond is reversed. Uh, there may be something special, funky going on with these two, or there might not be. But it's not that it's a reverse bond. But what does a reverse bond even mean? Like I don't know. <laughs> well, let's I mean, let's yeah. Let's entertain the thought for a moment. Yeah. So a normal Nahel bond is. So I wouldn't say that a Nahel bond is directional. No, I would say I would agree. Nahel bond is just person or a human, and uh, I can't even say human anymore. Sapient physical realm entity. You, you know, I'll person. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go with person. Too. I'll say spreader well, people too. Yeah, that's that's the problem because spreader oh. also people. But sapient physical realm person or it's physical realm entity. <laughs> S P R E. I'm gonna go with person for the sake of the argument. And a spren, and uh, you you attach uh, a, a a bond, a link, a rope between the two of them, and the bond doesn't go from one to the other. It's a symmetric bond. But the two gain different things out of the bond, right? Uh, the human gains access to, uh, uh, gains the ability to control the surges in some limited capacity uh, because spren are living surges, whatever that means. And, and the spren, uh, who is uh, normally uh, being of the cognitive realm, now gets to live in the physical realm without many of the detrimental effects uh, that normally come with that, right? If we, if we, like, we agreed very easily that the bond is not directional and it, it is symmetric in that way. So, like, there is nothing to reverse. There's no direction for the bond to reverse. Maybe there is a different kind of bond, uh, or a different flavor of an hell bond where you know the two parties gain different things. I don't know what those different things might be, but you know, the same way that there's an hell bond and there's a Luhel bond, maybe there is another type of bond where I, I mean this is kind of what Adolin and Maya have, like the bond between like a human or singer and a dead shard blade like that's a spiritual bond that's technically a nahel bond it's not the radiant bond yes but it's yes i think that's that's perhaps the uh the important distinction here uh it is still in the hell bond but it's not a radiant bond mm -hmm. and so you can have other bonds that are or other types of nahel bonds that i mean the bond between a uh, human and a sion can yeah. be classified as a nahel bond it's also obviously not a radiant bond, yeah. which does beg the question: Can you know? Um, I believe this has been a question. Like theoretically, yes. Which is weird, because Sions are already kind of in the physical realm, and they don't suffer. I mean, isn't there? 
I want to say there's a wob that you could technically, if you really wanted to, form on the hell bond with a cognitive shadow. Yes, you can. You can yes. bond Kelsier. Yes, we do know that the the radiant bond has been formalized in a way because right. of what's going on on Roshar. So, so here's what you do, right? You have Ishar pull his friend into the physical realm, then you die and become a cognitive shadow, and then you form a hell bond between the physical friend and the cognitive shadow person. Reverse bond. I, okay. I mean, yeah. I think I took psychic damage from that. <laughs> I think I suffered the detrimental effects in the physical realm. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know where we can go from there <laughs> so that concludes dragon steel wobs tune back next time when we start on the spoiler stream because there's still an ungodly amount of wobs to go through we are officially more than halfway through our document we got through 10 pages just about well we we padded some numbers there, but uh, I I think we can finish this in three more episodes. Yes, but that is a problem for another day. Today we are headed into who's that Cosmere character? This character is from Roshar. Menace. Yeah, Tom. Braze. Void in drag on a horse. <laughs> it's time for Who's That Cosmere Character? Call. All right, everyone. You know how the game is played. You send an email to WTCC at 17thchart.com with five clues and the character that those clues correspond to. I read each clue aloud, and after each one, our contestant or panelists have a chance to guess Who's That Cosmere Character? Well, the entire, all of the panelists? So, since there's only three of us, we're going to do a little extra competitive today, right? Head to head. We're going to read our, you know, two regular and one priority queue. Two out of three wins. If you get stumped on two out of three, then I win. I don't know what the prize is. I, I don't have a prize. This is just for fun. Uh, competitiveness is not fun, but okay. <laughs> mm, I'm a very competitive person. All right. Well, you two have fun. I'm here to guess weird characters. <laughs> All right. This first one was sent in by Nickladen on Discord. This character shapeshifts. Maya. It is not Maya. Frost. It is not Frost. Clue two. This character dies on screen. Um, no, that's that's too weird of a guess. I was gonna guess Rayodin's Sion, and I'm like, that's stretching so many uh, definitions. Yeah, yeah. Um, palm. It's not palm. It is not Orisur. Uh, so, the Lord Ruler. It is not the Lord Ruler. Clue three. This character is female. See, it two people is so much harder because we're not getting as many like options ruled out per yes. clue. But it's faster. It is faster. 
uh, dies on screen, female. Oh, uh, it's Fenderana, obviously. It's not Fenderana. Well, you're wrong. Leshwi. It is not Leshwi. Clue three. This character is a traditionalist. I don't know what to do without Clue. Yeah. How's that not Fenderana? Okay. Um... <laughs> These clues do fit her, I'll admit, so far. Female shapeshifter who dies on screen and is a traditionalist. Blushweaver. It is not Blushweaver. Oh, that was a good one. I was fully in my mind palace, which looks like a library, and going, well, okay, so it's not going to be the Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell because no female characters die there. It's not going to be Elantris because I don't remember what happened to Karate, but like, I, I, I don't think any female characters. Died. So I, I was fully going through like the non-Stormlight books. Karate does die. I thought so. What does it mean to be a shapeshifter? Female dies on screen. Shapeshifter traditionalist. <laughs> Uh, is she a traditionalist? Ashenai. It's not Ashenai. It's not a traditionalist. I know. I would count her as a shapeshifter, though. Clue five. This character is a shadow. A uh, Rabonial. It's not Rabonial. Um, not so. One of the first generation Kandra, who was not Kanpar, because he's a dude. But I think there was a female Kandra in there uh, whose name I cannot possibly remember. Kanpar. Is that your final answer? Yes. It is not a Kandra. It is Leon from Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. No, you can't send things from newer books because we can't think of them. <laughs> also, it's been so long since I read Yumi. <laughs> It's been even longer since we've read all of the other books. No, I've, I've reread something since then. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, okay, Leon checks out. Fine. Point for Grace. <laughs> yeah. She's just got to pick a super hard one. Because then she cinches the win. Well, yeah, but so that's why I don't care. I'm not doing anything different from my usual picking practices. I, that does not reassure me, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> This next one was sent in by Benny. Clue one. Benny. This character dies on screen. Fool me once, shame on you. Uh, Leon. It's not Leon. Race. It is not race. Clue two. This character hated royalty. Kelsier. It's not Kelsier. He hates nobility. Yeah, but... I just think the royalty is implied. Does this Whisper and Arrow one have royalty to hate? Does the Lord Ruler count as a royal? So he's like his own thing. Yeah, uh, I am. Uh, I've been watching. Uh, there's a big YouTube channel. Yes, there are. There's many of them. There is, yes. I've, I've been watching a big YouTube channel, you guys. Hold up. I got to scroll through all of my uh, lo-fi recommendations. <laughs> Shut up, Eric. Uh, there's a channel called Nerdy Nightly. 
uh, where mm. two people, uh, th they do like a bunch of media reviews. They uh, also have a weekly book club where they talk about books. And uh, they are doing Mistborn right now. They just finished, uh, as of the time of this recording, they just finished The Final Empire. And one of their thoughts was kind of at the end of the book was, um, well, in the epilogue, they name Elend King, but we've never been told that, that there's no, there's nobility, but there's no, there's no like kings or counts or dukes or anything like that. And so maybe some people like Sezed and, and Ellen know what a king is from classical schedule, but the Scott probably don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's and so it's a it's a funny image of they they name him King in front of all the Scott and the Scott like so so his name is King, is that oh no that's what is King again? And then the ceremony completely derails. Yeah. Why did uh, they not I, name him Lord Ruler? That has connotations. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, my guess is Diloph. It is not Diloph. Clue three. This character was a rebel. Ray Skywalker. Uh, hates royalty, dies on screen. Rebel. What is royalty? Duke Telrai. It is not Duke Telrai. I don't know if he was a rebel. He was an antagonist. That counts. Beard. It is not Beard. Clue four. This character was a prisoner. Nope, he doesn't die on screen. I was going to guess Vahir. But I think he just gives up his breath to Vasher and doesn't actually die on screen. No, he gets strangled. Or maybe Vasher kills him. Yeah, I'm going to guess Vasher. Vasher. We, we straight up watch Vasher strangle him. Um, with, yeah, no, that's, oh, that's my guess. That's my guess. It's Vahir. It is Vahir. <laughs> the last clue was this character agreed to die. Nice. Mm -hmm. I've always been partial to you, to you Vahir. And our last one is from the priority queue. This is from Technopathetic. Technopathetic? Oh, is that you? I mean, I don't know. Probably, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that looks right. I mean, pronunciation's weird. It could be technopath ethic. No, it's 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 et etic. Okay. At the end. So probably technopathetic. Clue one. This person is tall with fair skin and fairer eyes. That is so many descriptive elements. Yeah. Tall, fair skins, fair skin, fair eyes, and fair eye. What does Fairer that mean? Fairer eyes. I mean, like light eyes. Okay. Evie. No, she's not tall. I'm not guessing Evie. I'm not. Shut up. I'm not guessing Evie. <laughs> okay. Serene. It is not Serene. She is tall. That's and her life. personality. Toe, fair skin, fair eyes. Wow, I, I really don't... I mean, you can't always pass. No, I can't. 
Kelsier. It is not Kelsier. Play two. This person witnessed many murders. Oh, Kelsier certainly did. Alendi. It is not Alendi. Adain. Uh, it is not Aiden. Right, that's who, that's who you're guessing. Adain is a character <laughs> in Alephris. I mean, it took me a moment because I heard Adine, and I was like, that's not a canon character. <laughs> and I had to, like, mentally process the Elantrian pronunciation to figure out who you meant. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be Aidane. No, his, the Aeon in his name is Ayin. Oh, that's true, I guess. And so it would be Adine. <laughs> no, but you were saying... Okay, never mind. Please right. <laughs> this person incited a riot. What was the second clue? Uh, witness to many murders. I so pie? I. What was your guess, Ian? Pie. No, it's not pie. Okay, I was gonna guess pie as well. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say riot or rebellion? Riot. Inside a riot. <laughs> Not a whole lot of those, I feel like. Uh, fair skins, fair eyes, tall, inside a riot, witnessed many murders. Yeah. Beldre? It's Beldre? It's not Beldre. Okay. Clue four. This person helped carry a corpse. Okay, well, that's great. What does that mean? I mean, I feel like helped carry a corpse is pretty straightforward. What if the corpse is a spread? You count a shard blade as a corpse? <laughs> <laughs> Helped carry a corpse, dude. So, you know, presumably not by themselves. Karate. It's not Karate. Jezrian. It's not Jezrian. Clue five. This character may or may not have actually existed. Is it Darithel? It is Darithel. There was a yep. bonus clue that uh, this character shares a name with a major Cosmere religion for Shu Darith, if, if no. necessary. That, that, no, that that, there is no connection <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, you know. so we, we tied 1-1-1. One, one, one. Or we could say players beat Game Runner. That's true, we could say that. By our scores united, we beat you, Grace. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I hope everyone has enjoyed this thrilling episode. We thought three people we would get through things faster. And we did. Marginally. Eric wrote this out for me. I just want all of you to know that. You can find us on 17th Shard for all your news, discussion, theories, and fun. We also have a very hopping Discord server, too, which is very exciting. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias, subscribe, and YouTube. You can sub subscribe on YouTube. And join our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. See you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Ciao.